you know who I feel bad for this week? Uh, well, there there are quite a few to choose from. I think more so than anybody else, Hunter Pence. Oh, yeah, good point. So I'll explain why you're welcome to, to chime in. But uh, right now you're, you're hearing a whole ton about uh, a Pence in the news. And nobody's talking about the understated and versatile giant star Hunter Pence. It's about some guy from, is he from Indiana? Uh, yeah, he is the governor of Indiana. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's you know, that's kind of an unfortunate um, thing that uh, Hunter, you know, we're, we're on a first name basis. Uh, he's going to have to- I suppose he's a good friend. Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's got to be tough because it's not a common last name. And especially in the Bay Area, whenever you hear that, it's generally just one person. But now it, it yeah, you just hear that name everywhere. And it doesn't elicit, it, it no longer elicits that- um, all the goodwill and feelings of of just a clutch player that's been with us for years. It's now just some some hate-filled guy from Indiana. Well, think about it this way. In, in November, when him and Trump woefully, woefully lose the election and the Giants win the World Series, then Hunter Pence is really going to be the only Pence that matters. I pray that you're right. <laughs> yeah, so, so two other things on this. Uh, I suggest that after the Democratic convention next week uh, that we reserve the following week uh, for the show that we're, we're going to lose all of our listeners, and we, we finally dust off the idea of doing our uh, politics-focused episode. Yeah, I, I, think I, I think I agree. I think I'll have to reserve the right to not post it. <laughs> I don't depending, think you can. Depending on where it goes. No, no. I, I think you can edit it down from an hour and 30 minutes to 18 two. minutes. <laughs> <laughs> uh to, or or you can bleep out everything that you think might be uh uh undesirable to future employers what whatever you whatever you feel is right but it's been a it's it's, it's been a it's been a trying week it definitely has um yeah this week's been kind of a disaster for the country uh in a lot of ways not not just in the like whatever you thought the democratic or sorry the republican convention would have been it hasn't even been that like garbage fire. It, it's been it's been a totally other type of of of, of spectacle. I think I think that's a generous term, but it, it's. But you know who's there for us? Darth. Yeah. It's been it's been really good, really really good. Have you been following the thing he's doing where he will uh, do do like the embedded quote tweet thing? Yes, and then uh, half complete a sentence, and it's 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 wonder it's wonderful. So I was I've been thinking like, and, and this is this is kind of going off of uh, what John Gruber said earlier. This like he he said he was like one of the greatest, or like he was like one of the like, what do you say something about being like the best cartoonist of our time or something? He, he's the he's the best way well, he's the best political cartoonist we currently have. So I I understand that Darth's reach is probably pretty limited because he probably has a a, a loyal. Uh, audience, but I think it's probably only like uh, forty thousand people, and his stuff gets retweeted all the time, so it, it's probably a little bit broader than that. But he feels like, for at least for um, like th- uh, this specific audience of like uh, technology and kind of media inclined millennials, he's kind of like one of the better satirists and uh, kind of commentators that we have. I assume like back in the '60s and other generations, there were like a, a far limit, more limited number of. Of people that were doing that, but I think he speaks to a certain like I don't know. 
I don't know how to how to frame it, but I I think he's he's very important to the to get to keeping me sane. Yeah, I you know I I we can maybe get into this a lot more in, in the political podcast, but like I for you know putting the, the joking aside for a minute, like this really has gotten me down. Like this, and not just this, not the convention, but just the the entire election cycle has just been a really big downer. So it's kind of nice to have. Uh, a little ray of light in Darth to kind of to lighten up the mood every once in a while. Exactly. Yeah, the the embedded quote thing's been really really good. That and the um, there was some like um, Republican women's convention that I guess was like super lightly attended, and so he had photoshopped himself into the front row of a, a picture someone had taken of the convention hall. And he was holding holding that good old HP printer, wondering where Fiorina was. And that's the thing where it's it's kind of like the long con or, or the, the, he, the, the the callback joke. It's 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 kind of the the Arrested Development thing. It it's it's like a it, like little Easter eggs and prizes for like the people that have stuck with it. Like he's he's uh, he's very good at uh, at calling back to older material, and it's. It's it's just perfect and delightful. Like he he hasn't let up on like the zodiac thing. Oh, that was that was the you know. Well, I, Ted Cruz actually getting booed off the stage was was pretty great, but um, the the zodiac thing that Darth brought back was also wonderful. It's just so good. Um, I I know I know it's still bordering on weird Twitter, which is which is probably not uh, everybody's cup of tea. But it's if you put in the effort and if you have any interest in dogs, it's it's totally worth it. Yeah, I, I completely agree. By by far and away, leaps and bounds, my my favorite Twitter account. I assume Dog Rates is a close second. Dog Rates is pretty good. Yeah, it's kind of weird to think that you used to not like Dog Rates because uh, the, just the premise of the account seemed really dumb. I think I had I had introduced you to it during a time that Darth was hibernating as well, which I think may have, you know, given you a kind of a negative association. A, l- a little bit, but yeah, I, I just, it seemed like the prompt, like, I didn't realize how, um, you know, how, like, uh, none of the dog breeds are actual breeds, and it's always, and, and he, uh, the person that runs that account is also very good at doing uh, kind of the callbacks. Like, do you ever see when sometimes it's a reply to an earlier uh, rating? Right. Yeah, that's pretty good. I think it's been implied in, as part of that Twitter account, that, that they're a college student, which is pretty impressive. Yeah, which also speaks to uh, wondering what Darth does for a living. Yeah, because it seems like a full time job to to Photoshop all of that and also to just follow everything. I know at all times. Yeah, hmm. one of the great mysteries of our time. Yeah. Uh, another well, to wrap up like stray business. Uh, what one observation I wanted to check in with you was. I've been noticing probably in the past month that I see way more Fitbit Blaze um, out in the wild than I do Apple Watch. Is this something you can um, corroborate or am I nuts? I guess I can't say whether or not I've specifically seen Fitbit Blazes, Blaze Eye, whatever the plural is, out, out in the world. But I do notice a lot of people... More people than I notice with Apple Watches who have like standalone fitness trackers. Yeah, that's that's, that's troubling. Rough. Yeah. High hopes for WatchOS three. Mm, I will. I will believe it when I see it. Can't really be worse. 
Uh, it could be though. Remember when? Remember when there was a, a point update to WatchOS that completely broke notifications? Yeah, but that that's that's expected to happen. Well, so that 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 wouldn't be better. All democracies have their problems. <laughs> Boy, do they ever! Uh, so let's get let's get to the down to business. Okay. How's the how how's Alexa doing? Yeah, so Alexa, who I remembered to mute before the podcast, she's, and, she's probably pretty angry at you right now. Yeah, so this is the first time that I've hit the little mute button, and it emits this really menacing red light, which so it's it's on my desk here. She, it she she is is on my desk here, and yeah, the red the red light is scary. Anyway. Um, I think that's, she, yeah, that's, it's to make it obvious that she's muted, but also to disincentivize you from ever turning her on. <laughs> that's yeah, exactly. So yeah, I, I mean, gosh, a lot of notes here, a lot of, a lot of things to go through. So overall, really impressive first week with the device. Um, you know, I kind of the checking off like the list of things that I've really enjoyed so far. Uh, the setup process was absolutely wonderful. They're right down to like the packaging felt like kind of almost like an Apple kind of packaging unboxing experience. Really, really nice. Seemed tailored to you. Yeah, it did. Um, and then yeah, the the initial setup process where you just simply download the app to your phone. Your phone connects via Wi-Fi to to the Echo. And then it just seamlessly kind of walks you through the the rest of the process. That that part couldn't have been easier. Um, and then also as part of the setup process, I had set up uh, the Echo with my Philips Hue smart lights, which we'll we'll come back to. But uh, at least calling out here with just the setup process that was that was really seamless. Um, and then I think the other really big thing that instantly stood out and has continued to stand out through this first week is just how responsive it is. Um, I mean, it just completely blows Siri away. And I've actually been, over the last few days, sort of switching back and forth between asking Alexa things than asking Siri things. And, you know, there is... I think Siri does have a pretty big leg up with kind of the natural language stuff, which which I'll get back to. But in just in terms of just general responsiveness, I mean, Alexa is just leaps and bounds. And I was I was talking to the lady friend about this over the weekend because she was also kind of pretty interested in it. And I, I said to her, I'm like, would you ever guess that Amazon, you know, the, the place where you go to buy books and shoes and all your other random stuff would be way better at something technological than Apple? It's, so it's a weird... It's kind of a weird thing. Partially, but I, I think a lot of people underestimate Amazon and how what they're willing to do outside of consumer commerce. Like when you when you understand it or when you think about the fact that like half of the internet runs on Amazon and just all the chances they're willing to take and the amount of uh intelligence and manpower they're willing to put behind these kind of uh moonshots or pet projects and it it, it makes sense. Because I think when Apple made Siri, they kind of thought, "Oh, well, this is this is mostly done. Nobody like it, it's pretty good. We might tweak like uh, the speech synthesis, but no, nobody really uh, needs anything beyond this." And 
I think Apple really hasn't counted on everybody else innovating so quickly on this. And that's why there's this big gap in terms of the experience. I guess so. But uh, yeah, I mean, a, a gap in terms of experience is, is a good way to put it. Um, it it's hard to, hard to overemphasize just how much better Alexa seems to be at responding to commands. And the, the only other thing I'll, I'll bring up is that it, that's particularly shocking or, or frustrating to me in the sense that Apple owns so much of the data and your experience and the soft, like everything end to end, where almost all the services it works with, uh, excluding the stuff that's coming out in iOS 10, that it's it's all their own stuff. So it's it's just shocking that how much better something else can be. Right. Um, another thing that's really great is just how easy it is to plug in third-party apps and services. Um, you know, as everyone has said a million times on the internet, you know, the Alexa app is not necessarily the best. Although, for all the for all the bad things I've heard about it from you and others, I mean, maybe my expectations were just really low. But I, I don't think it's that bad. It's not the world's best app, but it's it's serviceable, I would say. And I actually do really like how it has a running stream of the commands that you've given to to alexa and then like what its responses were i, w- I wish i could check that out <laughs> yeah see i haven't you're showing me this error message that you're getting in the app and i i have not i have not seen that yet it's just weird in the sense like it's not that it's like just like overall it's rough around the edges and, it, and it's kind of it's it's pretty mediocre but it's just sometimes it just completely fails like it does it's not even that parts of it don't work it's just like it just gives up and throws stands up in the air yeah i, I haven't had that happen yet um, but in, anyway, it, it's, it's fine. And the way that you do plug in these third-party services is just, it's really seamless. It's really easy. So you'll be happy to know that the, uh, first app that I plugged into the Echo, the first day I, I got it was Uber because I wanted to to do a little demo for the lady friend because we were get, getting ready to, to head out and, um, so I installed the Uber thing and I did not test it before she came over i mean how would i really and uh just just went for it you know and it was great it worked on the first try um the the way that it you know communicated how far the driver was away and when he was arriving like the whole kind of experience was was pretty cool um and you know when you when you browse the the what what do they call them um skills i guess Mm-hmm. When you when you browse the kind of skills, uh, it's not really a store because you don't buy them, but just sort of like you know section of the app that lists out all the skills. It just it's basically just a couple taps away from um, adding, and it, it also gives you instructions on some of the commands that you can do. It's just it's it's great. It's seamless, um, and I would say um, the, the other thing that I've really liked, which is really simple is the the news flash thing you know the t- you know tell me the news the daily briefing the daily oh, sorry, briefing. sorry your flash briefing there flash right. briefing um you know by default it uses uh npr and it's great it's five minutes long um seems to be updated at least a couple times a day if not more mm-hmm. um wonderful like it's been a really nice little routine doing that sort of like first thing in the morning and then like when i come home in the evening mm-hmm and it's you know it's generally 
stuff that like I've heard about during the day, but it's still just kind of a nice little recap. Yeah, that that yeah. I wish I wish there's a bit more control over it because there's quite a few different options, right? It is, but it seems like like I've added like some of the Wall Street Journal stuff in there, and sometimes it just basically starts playing a podcast, and it's not super specific about it, and you can't like skip to the weather or something like that. But again, it's 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 very good, and having the default as NPR makes a lot of sense rather than rather than it just being a voice synthesis just reading you the news. Yeah, well, and and the the key thing with the NPR bit is that it's you know it's always the same length, it's always kind of the same format, so you like you know exactly what you're going to get. Yeah. Because, yeah, I'm not, I don't want it to start some 15 minute thing, like five minutes in and out. Yeah. So that's, you know, that's, that's been, that's been the positive stuff. Um, and it's, it's, then those, those things are really, really positive, like overall, really good experience. Um, you know, I guess the, the things that I, I would call out that haven't been as great. Um, and I, I alluded to this when kind of comparing, its voice recognition to Siri, you know, the the thing that Siri does seem to have a leg up on is just being able to understand variations of questions. Like you, you're able to speak to Siri a lot more naturally than you are Alexa. Like Alexa works really, really well when you give it the proper command. But if you deviate at all, even by just a word in some cases, it it completely breaks down. Whereas generally, if Siri works, you can usually get away with phrasing a question just about however you want to, and you'll you'll get the anticipated response. You know, s- simple little things like if you ask Alexa when the Giants game is, she doesn't know which Giants team you're talking about. So you have to say the San Francisco Giants, whereas with Siri, you can say Giants, San Francisco Giants, kind of however you want to say it. Um, questions also like, I tried, you know, who is the starting pitcher for the San Francisco Giants tonight? Siri knew, Alexa didn't. Um, and that's that was true, too, of... Um, so I mentioned that I integrated with my Philips Hue lights. And, you know, I think overall, <clears throat> Alexa is a better experience because of how much more responsive the Echo is than your phone. But the thing with... Alexa that's different than Siri is that you have to be really, really specific in your commands. Like, you know, little things like when I had asked Siri to just like turn off all the lights, it it did so and I didn't have to train it in any way. It just it knew what I meant. Whereas with Alexa, I had to create a group where in which I put all of my lights into that group and the group is called all of my lights. And then when you set it up that way, so with the Alexa, the way the smart home integration works is you can command individual lights or you can command groups of lights. And you can do it three ways. So yeah, you can either command or by room, but I, but I'm, but you can also just say Alexa, turn off the lights and then that will turn off everything. No, that was not my experience. You can, yeah, no, you can say uh, turn off all the lights or you can say like uh, turn off the bedroom lights. Or you can turn off bedroom one, or like w- with Alexa, when I had said turn off all the lights, she had responded with, "I didn't have a light by that name." I think you're be again, and this speaks to your point. I think you're saying it too specifically. You just say Alexa, turn off the lights, because all the lights sounds like you're saying a group name that doesn't exist. Well, okay, well maybe, and again, that and that definitely speaks to your point. 
Um, well, so I know, no, you I, have a group, I have a group of lights called all of my lights. That's where I'm like, that's probably going to get you into trouble eventually. It's worked. It's worked. I mean, well, I know, assume I whenever have... they update it to fix it, to make it less, uh, to, to make it better, uh, that, that'll bite you in the butt. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that, you know, that stuff's been not ideal. Mm-hmm. Um, like when, like, I, and, I, and I'll kind of, uh, piggyback on this, which is, it, it it leaves a lot to be desired in certain ways. Like you can't say Alexa dim the lights. You have to say Alexa increase bedroom lights to ninety percent or something. Like it, you have to no be su- you 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 no you can no I you just, can't no you totally can. This is weird. No, no you you I I did. Do this I have the a other, different software version than you? I don't know. I did this the other evening where it was you know Alexa dim my ceiling fan lights and it did. I don't know what increment it dimmed them by. But both dimming and brightening worked without giving any sort of specific percentages or anything. Oh, maybe that's it in the sense that I'm just not, it's just doing it at a random amount where I'm not really noticing the difference. I mean, it, it, it dropped them down pretty significantly when I did it. But I mean, no, I mean, I think, I think actually, ironically, this is proving our point better than any description could in, in which it's, you know, even, even if you or I are just like one word apart, in these commands that we're giving, we might get very different results. Yeah. And what, what would you say to increase the brightness? What's the opposite, um, what's the opposite it was, of dimming? It was, it was the lady friend who did it. it, it she, and she had said something like, I don't know, brighten? I think she just said brighten the lights? And I that think makes it, sense. I think, I, think, I think it did. Yeah, that's probably it. Can I, can I transition briefly into, into the Philips Hue lights? A little, little follow-up on those? Of course. Um. So I you know it's kind of funny on today's episode of Clockwise, they touched on this very subject so that the timing was really good for me, which is smart lights are cool, but it's really hard to get out of the habit of flipping the switch. Like I've, I've done it twice now with my bedside light where I've flipped the switch and then the next day gone to try to turn it on and have Alexa tell me that she can't find the light. And I'm like, well, why not? And I go over and it turns out I've turned off the light. So it's, you know, disconnected from the network. Um, so that's, you know. It's user error. It was totally user error, but I'm just, you know. Just throw some tape on your light switches. Well, no. So my my solution, like in most things in life, was just to throw more money at the problem. And as part of that Clockwise episode, they linked to the uh, Philips Hue tap switch. So I bought one of those. <sighs> Mm. And that'll be arriving tomorrow, so I, I can follow up uh, next week with how that's been working out. But that still doesn't solve the problem, though. How so? Like, if you have somebody over and they still try to use a light switch, like it. it... Oh, I, well, I can't solve for other people. This, this is this well, is my you can, issue. But and you can this also is, solve for my... yourself, and you could have saved fifty dollars by just putting some tape over the light switch. But this is also my bedside light, in which you know there aren't there really aren't other people turning this light on and off. Whatever floats your boat, but yeah, that's uh, and also the hue tap is weird in the sense that it's not on off. It's you have to set up scenes inside the Philips Hue app. It's it's kind of a pain in the ass. Do you do you have it? I returned it because I didn't like it. Mm, okay, well, yeah. I'm looking forward to that then. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, so go, going back to to the Echo, and I, I think maybe this will be the last thing that I I say about it. Overall, I I really like it. It makes a good first impression. It's been a lot of fun to just kind of mess around with this first week. But the thing I'll say is that that's kind of all it feels like to me so far. It, like it just it kind of feels just like a cool tech demo or kind of like a series of cool tech demos. It's like 
oh, cool, I can ask it to tell me the news. That's that's neat. Or, hey, I can tell it to turn on or off my lights. That's cool. Or I can have it request an Uber for me. That's that's really awesome. But in like in all of those cases, I'm not really sure that how you know issuing those commands or getting that information is necessarily better or more efficient using Alexa. You know what I mean? I kind of do, but I, and I know what you're getting at, but I but I disagree. Um cuz there are different use cases. Like if this is prevent like if, if asking Alexa what's in the news prevents you from turning on the television, watching 4 minutes of ads before CNBC's back on or something or having to go grab your phone and, and set a timer or something like that. I think the kind of just always on assistant thing has a lot of value to it and that comes over time. Hmm. So, I mean, I, I don't necessarily think it's a tech demo. I think a lot of people might like while they're, um, when they're considering buying one might have maybe loftier goals or, or, or dreams of what they would use it for than they actually will. But I think that like after a month of what you actually use it for is is different, but still very useful. And and it keeps getting better over time. Like now that you bought one, you'll get the the weekly what's new with Alexa newsletter or what's new on Echo. And and it it just it does get better. And you can use it to play Jeopardy and you can you can do tons of tons of fun stuff with it. Well, I, I don't I don't doubt the funness of these things. Or, or the utility. Yeah, I guess that's, and I'm not saying it's not there. It's entirely possible. I just haven't really discovered it yet. But so far for me, it's it's just felt like more of a, it's felt like more of a toy than a utility. I think once it stops being new, uh, the utility comes out. Okay, that, that that could be. Yeah, but you know, two thumbs up. Um, and I, I kind of I kind of expected that. I mean, you you've had you've had a lot of nice things to say about it, as have a lot of other you know, tech pundits who, who I respect. So there there was enough good press out there where I didn't think I would dislike this thing, but you know, even though my expectations overall were high, I think it's, it's, it's been exceeded. It's, it's really neat. Yeah. And, um, related, do, what do you know about the echo dot? I, <laughs> I, I I don't know the difference between the dot and the tap. Which 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 one has the the beach cover things? The Echo Tap is the one that's basically a portable Bluetooth speaker that also happens to have Alexa if you pair it to your phone. Got it. Oh, so so it it doesn't. Oh yeah, I guess that would make sense because it's not on a Wi-Fi network. Yeah. Okay. Got it. But yeah, like the Echo Dot seemed like the the vastly more interesting product for somebody like me, and. Apparently they've discontinued it already. Yeah, it just says just says sold out. It's like permanently sold out. Um it was a product that you could only buy from your Amazon Echo. So that that was weird to begin with. And what it did or the whole point of it was that it was a uh an Alexa it was an Amazon Echo without the speaker so that you could plug it into something else, but it made uh making whole home or adding uh Amazon Echo functionality to another room really simple and easy. Well, it says it says it says it can play music, so it's got a speaker in it. It's it's got a super weak speaker. Okay. So if if you want to do anything with it, you'd have to probably link it up to a different speaker. But I mean, it yeah, it seems weird that they like. What's the point of just making? If you weren't committed to it, why would you even release it? 
Well, I guess like really outside of the speaker quality, was was there any difference between this and just the Echo? No. Hmm. Well, maybe that's why they discontinued it, is they'd rather just have people buy Echoes. Well, but they already made it to the point where you could only order it if you already had an Echo and you did it from the Echo. So, I mean, I... Yeah, it's it's I don't know. It's weird. Like it seems um cuz everybody everybody who has one uh thinks it's 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 basically the same and it's it's a, it's a great addition. It's kind of the number one thing I haven't tried on the Echo yet that I that I want to is ordering something from Amazon. That doesn't seem like it'd be very easy. Apparently it is really easy as long as you don't have any requests on it. Like if it's just something that's super simple and has no um no like uh not a lot of variation or anything similar to it and you want it shipped directly to your home address apparently it's incredibly easy hmm. but for me like i don't know it's, it's never that simple i want something shipped to work or i'm I, I, I actually want to verify the price before i buy something like all that that's well that's, that's kind of what i mean is like I, finding out like shipping info and pricing and all that kind of stuff i don't know that seems tough to do just over voice but yeah i think that's the kind of stuff that's probably easier on your uh, um like on the website or on your phone. But I assume like, again, that's supposed to be the whole point of it is that like once it ingrains itself or uh, inside your lifestyle, that like if you're in the kitchen setting a timer and, and you realize you're out of paper towels or or whatever, you can just uh, just talk talk to it and, and it just does it for you. So again, I, I think in the future it'll be a little bit different. But yeah. So is the is the Echo Tap, is that is that still around? The Echo Tap still is, I think. Okay, yeah, that, it is. Yeah, it is, yeah. And that one's 130? Yeah, one, 129. Well, they, got a, they got an orange case for it. See, that, that, that's piqued my interest. <laughs> I'm a sucker for it. I can't really... There just, aren't, there just aren't enough situations where I'd want an outdoor Bluetooth speaker. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I've, I've got my Bose uh, SoundLink Mini, which is great for having a speaker that I can move around with. But yeah, I I don't need a dedicated one for on the go use. Well, I'm just I'm just never I'm just never really like outside where I want a speaker like that. Just that situation doesn't come up very often. I just forget on the Amazon tap page. There's a cute dog biting a biting a speaker. So does that does that make you more likely to buy one? No, it just makes me happier. Uh, all right, enough on. So now you can probably safely unmute your Echo, so she she looks way less mad. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep her muted for now. Hmm. Don't want Jeff uh, Jeff knowing what you're saying about him on the show. Gotcha. That's right. Mm-hmm. For some reason, if Amazon was doing anything sinister, I think they would probably what they would like putting it on mute would per, uh, turn it into like permanent persistent connection with Amazon mode. Or or literally, when you press mute, it, it just stops responding to Alexa, but the microphone's still on. Yeah. Like it again. When I first got it as a joke, I, I would uh, put it on mute and talk about canceling my subscription to Amazon Prime. But, <laughs> that's, you know. per- that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, because again, I assume that's when it's listening to, uh, how, listening most. How scary would that be if she turned back on automatically after hearing that? That would be that'd be a good Twilight Zone or or uh, whatever the the modern day equivalent is. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um. Did you read Eddie Q's thing that he did? It was in Variety or the, uh, one of the LA magazines. You know, I, I didn't read the whole interview, but I mean, like everybody else, I I you saw the, gist of it. the you know, yeah, the gist of it and kind of the main excerpts from it. So what what do you say? I don't know. I it, to me, it it 
it kind of reads like maybe he's getting out there because Apple did want to do this, but because the content providers really wouldn't let them do it, he's now getting out there and bashing the idea. That's kind of that's kind of what it reads like to me. Hold on, I, I think you skipped a step. So uh, Amazon or, and Amazon, Apple for a while has been trying to do like their own, or it's been rumored that they're doing their own uh, direct to consumer like subscription live TV service. And it's something that they probably wanted to be able to get done before the launch of the new Apple TV. That didn't materialize. Um, and it still hasn't been able to to get there. So yeah, so the Hollywood Reporter did this interview with uh, with Q. And it talked a little bit about him, but it was also about kind of what the deal was with Apple wanting to provide a quote-unquote skinny bundle to their end users. And he kind of uh, backed away from the whole thing and said that uh, he actually wasn't a fan of the skinny bundle and that he thinks that just because it can cause people to pay more overall and that uh, getting everything you want through your cable provider is like totally acceptable to them. And that all they want is for you to buy an Apple TV and they don't, they don't care how you get the content. And, you know, I think the the flip side is as we've discussed ad nauseum on the show, I, I kind of agree with what he's saying. I, I don't, I don't think these, these skinny bundles ultimately are a more economical way for most people to go. But at the same time, I it does read a lot like to me that this is this is just bitterness over how those those negotiations went. Well, so I, I agree with you, and I think um, this a la carte pricing is going to be worse for consumers overall, or at the very least, even if consumers try to self-select and still pay a little bit less or about the same as they pay now, they're going to get far less for their money. So it'll be a worse deal overall. Depending on your perspective, that that's either better or worse for the consumer. But I think for him, like he, it was weird that he was just probably saying things he didn't actually believe. In that he did like just because it just wasn't going to pan out, so he was just gonna gonna kind of play along and hope that everybody like because you know um, during the last press event, didn't Apple give some like stage time uh, to Sling TV? And they did, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, it looks like they're just content to kind of take their thirty uh, percent cut on every and let everybody else do the hard work of of trying to make this work because they've probably abandoned the uh, abandoned the idea of having something that's reasonably priced for consumers. Because because I, I don't think uh, Apple giving like an eighty dollar video subscription service is going to fly with anybody because at that point you you might as well just have Comcast and then that single sign-on thing that they're doing with Apple TV is is basically the same thing. So is that really all Apple TV is going to be? Is just apps? Well, that's I, the future I, of TV. I guess, <laughs> I guess so. Well, like, well, so g- g- give, me a, give me a counterpoint. Like, what, what do you mean? What, what do you think is, is being left on the table? I guess a cohesive experience. Like, I guess, you know, one of the really nice things about TV is it's just it's it's so seamless to skip from channel to channel or from recording to live TV. Whereas with, you know, Apple TV, you're jumping in and out of these very, very discreet and unique experiences, like going from even just like the HBO Go app to like the Netflix app is like basically like using two different devices. So I I don't know. I just I just don't know. I don't know if that's necessarily like the TV experience that a majority of people are going to want. 
I think it's going to evolve over time. But yeah, I and again, I don't own the new Apple TV, but from what I've seen from it and whenever I play with demos, it seems like it is kind of a step backwards compared to the old one in the sense that now that the apps can be richer and they're less... Um, standardized like yeah but like the old one was like super barren and and i think that's probably a knock that you could have had against it but that also meant that things were simpler and very consistent across apps in terms of how you'd interact with the content so yeah i think that is more challenging because like it looks because yeah if i want to bounce between like cnbc and then and then uh, turning on espn and then maybe like a, a dvr recording on tivo that's super simple and it's a consistent experience and it's very very fast but in an Apple TV, like the current generation one, that seems like I'm I'm going back to the home screen. I'm opening different apps. I'm doing all this kind of stuff. That's going to take way longer, and is a very disjointed user experience, right? Which makes it seem like my what I I think probably Eddie Q or or some of these visionaries at Apple would describe as as a barbaric user experience with TiVo, um, seems a lot better. I I don't know. I I don't. I don't think people at Apple would think that TiVo is a barbaric experience. I just, in fact, I think in a lot of ways in a perfect world, Apple would like to do something like TiVo, but that's just not, that's not an economic game that they want to apply. It is, but I don't know. I, I always, like whenever I hear Tim Cook or anybody, anybody in a position of authority at Apple, they always speak so disdainfully about like the current, like media consumption experience. And I think there's definitely a lot of things that are less than ideal of it. I think um, like the release windows are, are a problem. I think um, like some of the forced DRM and just like the difficulty of, of acquiring content is, is really challenging. But I think like they, they all seem to have per, like uh, frame linear television and like standard um like cable subscriptions being like this, this like uh, antiquated and like from another era type thing, and in a lot of ways, I think that's still a pretty effective way to deliver content. And in the same way that, like uh, HBO Go or HBO Now, which is uh, I think run by uh, the people that do Major League Baseball or MLB TV, um, like that under like extreme load, whenever that's like a big HBO premiere, seems to crash almost every time. Because the internet wasn't designed to deliver like five to ten million simultaneous high definition video streams of a, of a certain program, where uh, IPTV or like standard coaxial cable does that extremely well. Where when the Super Bowl's on and a hundred hundred million people want to watch the same exact thing in 1080p, that's not an issue at all. So I don't know, like this whole this whole future of television thing, and, and like it seems to. There's a lot of people that don't appreciate what already exists and and kind of they don't they don't properly think about what they're trying to change, I guess. Right. Oh, TV's hard. TV TV is hard. I I you and I can agree on that. Yeah. Portivo. Or not Portivo, but probably Portivo. I think yeah, Portivo. Like poor, it's good for us, really. God, yeah. As, as the end users, it's, it feels like, like I look at my current TiVo bull and I, I just think like, I just, I just want this to last. I don't know how much longer it's going to though. Yeah. Cause here, here's the thing. Like I, I, I don't think it's going to last because people don't appreciate nice things. <laughs> <laughs> they, 
Because like, no, this goes back to, and I don't want to sound like John Syracuse here, but like plasma television is dead. It was better. It it, it was it was undeniably better, and and it's dead. Like my current TV is is, is on its way out. Like if there's a white image, like an almost all white image on screen, it starts making this like electric whine noise. So so it's on its way out, and I can't do anything about it. I can't buy like I can't in good conscience buy uh, an LCD television. So, but and same thing with TiVo, like where it's sure it's it's a little bit pricey, and it's not perfect, but it's it's the best that we have, and and it's decidedly better than anything else. Like you've you've talked about uh, your lady's uh, X One box that's Oof. that's kind of a hot mess. Oof. So like I don't know, but like but but Amer- but <laughs> sorry, I don't want to turn this into the politics episode. But Americans don't know what they want. They don't know what's good for them. <laughs> They think they want somebody who's an outsider. They think they think they want a, a skinny bundles. <laughs> Is Trump the skinny bundle of 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 American politics? I I don't I don't really don't really even know what to say to that. I'm not really even sure what that means. Donald, Donald Trump and also IPTV and and a la carte. Donald Trump and a la carte pricing are a future that people think they want, but they really don't want. Hmm. Makes you makes you think. Yeah. Anyway, future TV's apps. Yeah. Does the Apple TV have any good apps? Like honestly, like other than just like Netflix. No. Like, is there any? Has there been anything that's come up in like the past? Because it's been out for like a year now, hasn't it? No, I mean, you know, and I, I, I guess my disclaimer would be I, I haven't really downloaded a ton of apps because I just don't even really find most of them compelling to begin with. Um, but then the, you know, the ones that I do use, like I, I especially point out the HBO go app, like it's, it's kind of, it's kind of terrible. Like it's, it's just really unintuitive, really kind of poorly designed. It's just, it's not, it's not good. It's not really, it's really not good. Lame. Yeah. Cause yeah, that's the thing also like specifically on iOS, I actually don't end up watching that much video there, uh, other than YouTube. Just because I don't like having a folder full of thirty different um, apps for like random video providers, right? Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, I think I'm gonna hold out as long as I can and, and just not get and get a current gen Apple TV. Yeah, I don't really, I don't really think you're missing out on much. Well, kind kind of related. Uh, did you read the thing that uh, MG Siegler put on? Uh, I think it was a couple of weeks ago about kind of where sports viewership is going. Well, yeah. So thanks, thanks to you, I, I did get caught up on this. See, I mean, he he seems to think uh, that uh, soccer, uh, European football, is is going to be the most watched sport, and then kind of it's going to go basketball, baseball, football, and hockey. Because yeah, hockey is not a sport, so I'm not sure why it's on the list, but. Uh... I know you're probably frustrated that people pretend hockey's a sport too. Um, you're the worst. No, I'm I'm not. The the sharks are the worst. Oh, wow. And so, sorry. Now it's, the, now it's personal. Here's the thing: I don't actually care. So, uh, please don't think I'm actually trying to to antagonize you. It's just that I don't care. Hockey is so boring to watch, and it's also it seems like such a such a, a bad sport. Like, like it, it seems like it's just uh, a lot of people skating around a, a, a bunch of Discover credit card ads. <laughs> and 
are they the biggest sponsor of all of the NHL? I think so. But like they're they're just skating around on a, on a puck you can't really see with vague rules and a bunch of the the fans who. So I, I should. You should just. Well, let me. You, let me, you, let me, just, let me you should quit while you're behind. No, let, let me let me think of this before I say this. I don't know. It seems like the fans are just waiting for like a, a fight to break out. It seems almost quasi like watching NASCAR and like hoping for a crash. Am I completely off base? Yeah, you're you're off you're off base. They've they've a lot of the fighting stuff's been kind of taken out, and when it does happen now, it's it's. Is it frowned upon? Like, are the yeah, are the fans, oh, yeah, are the fans I mean, cheering? It's 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 it's, it's the yeah, next to unsportsmanlike conduct. It's the biggest penalty you can get, um, in the sport. But I'm talking about from the fans' perspective. Are the fans cheering that, or are they? I mean, they do. Like, they do. See, that's but that's the thing. I I mean, I they're getting the support they deserve. I, I you know I. Fighting is not my favorite thing either, so I I understand what you're saying. But the sport itself, I enjoy a lot. Because I think whenever like baseball, like maybe one out of every, it happens like three times a year with every team. Whenever like uh, there's some something like muttered under somebody's breath, and like kind of you know like the whole team runs out of the dugout and that kind of stuff. I think most of the fans are kind of eh, just uh, get on with the actual game. I don't feel like it's that way with hockey. Mm, I don't know. I I guess you'd have to go back and look at tapes of baseball fights but I, I i'm pretty certain that you'd see most people standing up and pretty excited about it anyway um so yeah soccer soccer number one basketball and i think the most interesting part of this is is that and and this is just the musing of some, of some guy who who's actually had a pretty good track record and and is kind of a, a pretty insightful person on, on technology and stuff but yeah i i think honestly i think basketball would probably be it seems like the sport with the most momentum and has been genuinely for most people the most interesting. And it's kind of a, a like the league or or the like the business behind it has been doing a really effective job of kind of like building up basketball into a more substantial sport. But I, what I find interesting about this is that he finds football will probably be on the decline. And that's something I've I've been hoping for. Just not not just that I don't I don't find football terribly interesting, but it also just seems like it's in this kind of like weird spot where it's so dominant and thinks it can rule the world. And there's the, that guy who thinks he's the king of the earth, Roger Goodell or whatever. I don't know. Do you do you see football kind of uh, losing its ground as kind of like the America's top sport? I mean, absolutely, and, and that's the thing with this M.G. Siegler article that I would point out is, you know, he's the 18 millionth person on the internet to write this article. Like, this is not a, this is not a new idea. I mean, the the soccer angle maybe is a little unique, although I've I've seen that too, just not as often as I've seen the well, the football football's inevitably going to decline argument, and the you know the premise in this article and amongst the other arguments I've seen why this is going to happen are usually the same, which is, um, you know, when you look at younger um, Americans, you know, generally football is something that, you know, their parents shy them away from playing, or it's just something that's just not of interest to them. And so the theory is that as these kids get older, football is, you know, two things are going to happen. One is they're just not going to be general interest and two if fewer and fewer of these kids are playing football then the talent pool is going to get diluted which is then going to kind of sort of compound 
people not really being interested in football because then the quality of the games themselves are not going to be as good. So, I mean, you know, this, this has been, this idea has been floated around for a while. And in fact, you know, the, the economist um, survey that MG Siegler cites, I'm, I'm sure was, was found, you know, was, was done because this idea has been floated around out there. Um, you know, the, so I, I think that's definitely going to happen. Um, I think fo- football's days are numbered and I, I don't think it's going to be tomorrow. It's not going to be in the next five years. I think that, you know, the timeline he gives, which is like another 35 years or whatever, that's, that sounds about right. Something like that. Um, the soccer thing though, I, I, I don't know, like I'll, you know, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. And, you know, to his, to his credit, MG Sigler sort of points this out in, in the article that, you know, people have been crying wolf that soccer is going to you know come up in america for years and years and it just hasn't happened feels a little bit like you know linux is going to be the next major operating system kind of of thing Um, it's always it's always next year the year the year of linux yeah no bluetooth's going to be good next year um hey but apple needs to get yeah let's let's not let's not get started on that Um, until until apple develops its own wireless technology they need need to, uh, to back off yeah um anyways but yeah the the soccer the the football thing i agree with that the the soccer thing we'll see he maybe he's right but i just i i need to i need to see it before i'm gonna believe it yeah i mean soccer seems to be the exact same thing as as hockey in terms of something that's completely uninteresting but i don't know like i think this this well uh, let me I'll, i'll say something though which is I, I understand what you're saying about hockey and soccer because to to the casual viewer, it's you know you're just you're just kind of seeing the sport on sort of a superficial level. Whereas when you like so with like with me, I've gotten a lot more into hockey over the last couple of years, and you know now especially in the last year that I've watched a lot more games. I sort of, I see a lot of things now that I wouldn't have when I first started watching. And, you know, because I see those things now, I find the sport to be a lot more interesting. And I suspect soccer would be the same way. See, but, and and I don't, I don't deny that. And and I I guess what I'm talking about is the, um, the level, level of entertainment that's provided for the casual viewer. Because I, I I think like tennis and golf and in almost any sport can be super engaging if you're following it closely and you you understand all of that. But I think if you're thinking of like just kind of what you're just like watching, if you don't necessarily know all the players and you just have like maybe like a regional allegiance to a team or something, I think that's what's what's more challenging and what makes those less compelling to watch than. And I understand baseball is probably on its way out or it's going to kind of keep its kind of moderate level of enthusiasm. Like I, I know like San Francisco in the Bay Area is kind of a, of a weird place where the Giants have had like six sellout seasons in a row and just kind of like the tech boom and just all of it's kind of um, coalescing into being like a, making this kind of like a baseball town. But I think um, – I think basketball and baseball have kind of the best shot of being interesting sports going forward. Basketball in particular. Yeah, I, th- I think so too. And also because I think basketball has, within reason, and I'm saying this cautiously, uh, better personalities. 
like they're better at building up people or having stars that are marketable and also uh relatable is the wrong word than say football like it seems like every new star in football like you're not getting your peyton mannings anymore so I don't know, it seems like there's no there's no heroes in football whereas in basketball it seems like there's there's a couple new ones every year yeah i think i think that's that's a really good point yeah but yeah i think that's all i got all right. Well, um, I guess rounding out the the new stuff from the week. I guess. Well, I guess we got we got a couple things. the The first is the um, NES Classic Edition. Did you did you see this? I did, but they they weren't specific as to whether or not Duck Hunt was included. Uh, Duck Hunt is so I'm looking at the list of 30 games that it comes with, and Duck Hunt is not on this list. And I think I think that's because they're not re-releasing the light gun, which you would. Why, need. why not? Well, I mean, that's a fair question. So let's okay, <laughs> let's 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 back this up. Um, so kind of out of nowhere, last week Nintendo uh, announced this little mini NES or you know, mini NES, as you would say, that nope. it is, <laughs> is is a a little box. It looks exactly like the original Nintendo. Um, except in the back, it's got an HDMI out, which you, which is then how you plug it into your TV. And on the front, it's got instead of the, you know the old school NES controller port, it's got the same connector that you'll see at the bottom of a Wii remote. That's like how you plug the nunchuck into the Wii remote, um, and it's it supports two controllers like the original NES did, and essentially it's 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 just yeah it's a little box you plug into your tv it's got 30 games pre-installed and you know that's that's kind of it um no internet connectivity no way to load games no plans to release new games and in fact at least on a you know from what we know so far there really is no way to load game other games onto this thing although we'll see how long it takes people to figure that out (laughs) once it once it comes out um yeah i don't know kind of a a weird sort of random announcement yeah it's been it's been a weird nintendo week overall but i i think i I, maybe that's nintendo's whole new business strategy is is just cap uh capitalizing on nostalgia but that's but that's sort of the confounding thing though about this is that they've they've been doing this for years since the wii so so shortly after the wii came out or maybe it was even part of the original launch they uh, have the virtual console where every week they would release new, well, air quotes, new, you know, old games that you could play on your Wii. And, you know, they've since added it to the Wii U and the Nintendo 3DS. In fact, people have commented that all 30 of the games that are on this little box are available on the virtual console on the 3DS. So it's, you know, a lot of people have commented about, you know, the fact that this thing doesn't connect to the internet and you, there's no way to add additional games. And people have said, well, if you want that, just, just buy a damn Wii U because I mean, that's exactly what it does. So I, I don't know. It's kind of a... This product would make a lot more sense if the virtual console hadn't existed for the last, like, 10 years. Well, but how much does a Wii U cost? I mean, it's got to be down to, like, 20 bucks at this point, right? 
<laughs> Even I know that's not true. It's 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 a couple. It's probably hundred. still two fifty, isn't you're, it? You're you're right. And this this so this we didn't say this, but this this classic Nest thing is. Yeah, 60... the Wii U is three hundred dollars. No, that that can't be the base no, price. No, I'm looking at it. This is uh, yeah, thirty two gigabyte. It's lowest price is two ninety three on it on Google Shopping. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I guess I'm. I'm seeing I'm seeing that too, I guess. Huh. That's the thing where where Nintendo needs to figure figure some shit out. Like because the Wii U has been kind of universally panned, has it not? In terms of it it's not like the 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 whole like the tablet controller thing never really panned out and outside of first part like well sorry, I shouldn't say outside of first party games because there are no third party games for any Nintendo consoles. But like it just nobody no, nobody cares about the wii u right other than for a handful of first party games it's just yeah well i mean yeah that's that's the problem is just the games just simply aren't they're just not there and but also it's not that cheap i think that was a thing with the original wii was one it had the really um revolutionary is the wrong word but it had there was a lot of novelty and and uh kind of like impulse buy appeal of the original wii moat um and and I don't think this has that. And also though with the Wii when it originally came out, it was like 250 to start, but it got down to 150 pretty quickly, didn't it? I don't think so because it was super super popular for a long time. I don't think I don't think they lowered the price on that for quite a while. Hmm. I don't know, that just seems different. Wow, the Wii was released in 2004? God, I'm old. No. No, I swear to god it um no, well, that's no, that's that's not right. It was 2006. Or sorry, the the Nintendo Revolution was announced at E three two thousand four. Right, released in two thousand six. Okay, and eh, still, I don't know. Announced that's because they would have talked about the controller already, right? Well, no, that was the big thing. Is they they didn't they they didn't talk about the controller initially. They just indicated that there would be some unique control scheme. And I don't think it was until like a year later that they showed the the controllers. Oh, it was not talked about until the Tokyo Game Show in 2005. Yeah, I, I, I accept your apology. Sure. Again, I, I, I will <laughs> always admit to knowing nothing about video games. Feel free. <laughs> I don't know. Like, so so let, let me ask you. So some of the commentary I've seen on, on this thing is that, you know, this is sort of like, you know, the, the people who are hardcore nerds or hardcore, you know, gamers, they, they know how to play these games and they, they've already obtained these games, you know, either through the virtual console or through more nefarious means. But, you know, this thing is aimed at more of like just sort of like the casual gamer. Like the, the phrase that I had seen a couple of different places was, you know, this is literally aimed at the people who haven't played these games or really played any video game since these games. So it's kind of like, it's kind of a nostalgia thing. So like I think you you've mentioned on this program that you you were a original NES family, is that right? Mhm. So is there any is there any appeal to you to get one of these? No. Hmm, okay. I mean, uh, because again, I have sold everything. Like uh, like all I have connected to my TiVo now is an Apple TV and a and a TiVo Romeo. Like I sold my 360. I, I like every couple months I'll have kind of the oh it'd kind of be nice to maybe occasionally play an Xbox One game, but modern gaming is so complicated. But I'm also not going to spend eighty dollars on some random box that I'm going to play three times just to play Mario. 
Like it's just it doesn't make sense anymore. What would you pay? Would you pay sixty? It's it's sixty dollars, not eighty. Oh, I wouldn't pay anything. <laughs> like I just don't. I this is probably just old man, but I just I don't need more crap in my life. Yeah, this 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 doesn't really. Like I honestly think that the neatest thing this thing has going for it is just its its physical design. Like just the fact that it's a mini version of the original Nintendo is kind of cool. And then the controllers that they're selling are like the original controller. That's neat. But other than that, meh. Yeah, meh. They all meh. Uh, so to wrap this up, what's what's going on with Tesla? I I haven't I've kept away from all the news about this. So. You know, Elon Musk. Sorry, I, sorry to interrupt. Did they know. ever buy Solar City, or did that? Did anything come of that? It's 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 been proposed, and it's it's going through going through the uh, the process now. Got it. Apologies. Uh, that's okay. So, um, I guess it, it. I guess it was like ten years ago. I think that's when Elon Musk started this this master plan part D, as he calls it. Um. He, he indicates that, yeah, part one of the master plan was 10 years ago. So this was a post that he had put on the, the Tesla blog a decade ago, which outlined sort of just four things that Tesla was going to do. And at, at the beginning of this update today, he recaps what those were, which was create a low volume car, which would be expensive, use that money to develop the medium volume car at a lower price, but still sort of a, a you know premium price. And then use that money to create an affordable high volume car, which we now know as the Model 3, and then also to provide solar power. So, you know, he sort of, he comments sort of indirectly on this post today that, you know, people were sort of like taken aback by the Tesla Solar City merger idea. And he's like, well, hey, it's, it's been part of Tesla's master plan for like a decade now. So I don't know why anybody was surprised. Um, but anyway, so, you know, the, the, the idea with today's post is that, you know, hey, now, especially now that the Model 3 and the Solar City acquisition have been announced, Tesla sort of, you know, they've, they've sort of completed or in the process of completing that, the master plan they out, outlined. So now it's time to reveal sort of like what part two of, of that plan is. And so I guess I'll, I'll go through the, the four. So there's four bullet points again. Um, they are creating solar roofs that can seamlessly integrate into battery storage, expand electric vehicle product line to all major segments, develop a self-driving capability that is 10 times safer than manual driving, and then also enabling your car to make money for you when you aren't using it. So I guess they're all, you know, they're all pretty self-explanatory bullet points um two clarifying questions uh-huh the the solar roof thing do they mean on houses or on the cars so they mean on houses so okay the more detailed explanation of that bullet point goes into how they want solar city to continue manufacturing solar panels which i guess is sort of one of the things that they're known for or i guess it is kind of what they do right um and then integrating those solar panels with battery storage, which is something that Tesla already does. Sorry, what was the last part? What was their fourth pillar? Enabling your car to make money for you when you aren't using it. So is that, okay, so that, yeah, that's the interesting part. So does that mean they're going to do their own, like, distributed autonomous Uber? 
Yes. So the the master plan goes on to talk about how once they've uh, developed self-driving technology and they, he, Elon actually is, so like one thing I guess I'll say just in general about this is that it, and I, I do really highly recommend you read this. It's very, very plainly written. Like there's, there is absolutely no corporate bullshit in here at all. Like the, this, this literally reads like just someone just wrote this thing. Like they were just typing it out. They were just kind of riffing. And that's it, it, totally, I, I love that. I love when there's just this, no nonsense direct messaging that's great um so anyway um so he so in in the post musk talks about you know once they get this self-driving technology which he cautions is going to be a long long time from now and he alludes to something that that i've talked about on this program a lot which is you know the technology is going to get there and it's going to get there pretty quick but then it's going to be all this regulatory stuff that's going to take a really long time, really, really long time to, to figure out. But once once we get over that hump, then the Tesla's plan is you're literally going to be able to push a button in the car that when you're not using it is going to release the Tesla out into this fleet where other people can then use it. And then whenever you need it, you can call it back. Can I can I bring up that wasn't this basically what I said like three months ago on our self driving car episode? Um. Well, no. I, I think a, a big difference is that you were thinking that people just wouldn't own cars anymore. But in in this in this Tesla future, car ownership is still a thing. Eh, I was I was saying that a company like Uber or potentially a Tesla would operate fleets of vehicles, whether or not it would be. Yeah, I I don't know. I, I I'm, think I'm grasping. I'm you, trying to. I think well, no. So like, so like in my mind, this this Tesla approach makes way way more sense. Like I I, I agree, it's sort of like what you were saying. But I mean, it even even today's Uber is all about hey hey you don't you don't need to own a car. Look at this. You can just you can just on demand drivers. You know. But I I I think that there's there's always going to be a place for at least some subset of people to own a own a car especially if you're someone who drives to work every day or you go on frequent weekend trips where you know just owning a car and having sort of a single vehicle that you normally use is is of you know a lot of value and so this like this tesla idea is kind of like that the middle ground between your sort of uber idea and then you know people also still owning cars so under this plan is this like, is this kind of like a solar panel type idea in the sense that, like, you sell back unused, like, electricity to the grid? Like, do, do you, uh, does the end consumer profit from this car sharing thing? Yes. Interesting. So the the exact passage, I'll just, I'll just read this passage because this is probably the most interesting of the entire post, which is so you will be able to add your Tesla, add your car, rather, to the Tesla shared fleet just by tapping a button on the Tesla phone app and have it generate income for you while you're at work or on vacation, significantly offsetting and at times potentially exceeding the monthly loan or lease cost. This dramatically lowers the true cost of ownership to the point where almost anyone could own a Tesla. Since most cars are only in use by their owner 5-10% to 10 of the day, the fundamental economic utility of a true self-driving car is likely to be several times that of a car which is not. But if everybody can own a Tesla because it's essentially free because it's making money for you, wouldn't everybody then own a Tesla and the business model breaks down? 
I don't know because not not everybody can own a car. Like that's that's just that's not you and I are privileged to be able to, but that's that's not something everybody. Well, no, can but do. but that just said that the income you generate from the sharing program could could, but I that's not going to be the case everywhere. And in fact, the very next the very next sentence goes into a situation where that might not be the case, which is in cities where demand exceeds the supply of customer owned cars. Tesla will operate its own fleet, ensuring you can always hail a ride from us no matter where you are. Boom. There we go. Now that now that's right on track. Yeah, right. Me and Elon are on, on the same wavelength. All right. So yeah, I mean this this is this is really this is cool stuff. Um and it's, you know, it, it's clearly what what they're going to do. I mean, it, I think they've demonstrated with the first part of the master plan that they intend to execute on what they say, and I don't have any reason to doubt that this is exactly where they're going. I think the, the bigger question is not, it's not if, but it's it's when. Like, how long is all this stuff going to take? Like, that's that's a tough question to answer. Yeah, unfortunately, I think it's going to be until they, they put proper autonomous driving systems in their cars. Yeah. So they, you know, then I guess the only other thing that's sort of interesting to point out here is that they... They talk about so one of the points, right, is is electric vehicle product line to address all major segments. So two of the segments that they call out are um, SUVs, like crossover SUVs, and trucks, pickup trucks. And they say so they they say that both are in the early stages of development and should be ready for unveiling next year. Look forward to seeing it. And they, and they also talk about high passenger density urban transports, which I don't know if that's in reference to an SUV or if that's something else, because they talk about how they want eventually for this automatic vehicle network to kind of take the place of like traditional public transit. I think they're uh, they're taking a set name on chariot. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, that's in the East Bay now, apparently. Yeah, they're they're in Marin now, too. All right. Yeah. All right. Is that rounded out for the week, I think? I think so. Probably. Picks of the week? Yeah. All right. I'll let you go first, because I, I have a pretty uh, stacked deck. If, is, that, is that the expression? I think that's the expression, yeah. Yeah. Um, so mine is the Apple Watch Woven Nylon Band. Uh, we, we've alluded to this band a couple of times on the show. This was something that they announced at their... Um, when, when did they announce this? Was this, this was, um, I forget now. What, what event was that? Was that the, there was some type of spring event. I don't remember what actually happened. It, there, though. I know. I mean, I can't completely blanking. Oh, the iPhone SE, the iPhone SE and the, um, or the, ba- uh, the baby pro and the baby pro. So they unveiled sort of their spring lineup of Apple watch bands. And these, these nylon bands were, um, one at one of the sets that were revealed and you know i think when i saw them on the stream i had the reaction that a lot of people did which they just didn't look very nice um but then there was all this commentary after the event of oh no like in person they look really really nice and so i don't know a month or two ago whenever i visited the new apple store i made it a point to go check these bands out and sure enough when i saw it in person i was like yeah that's that's a really really nice looking band but I, I held off buying one because it's like, man, like 50 bucks for a stupid piece of nylon seems kind of silly. But, you know, I 
eventually decided to eh, I'll, I'll I'll pick this thing up because I want I really did want a new a new nicer looking band than just my sport. And I've had it for a couple of weeks now, three weeks now, I guess. And it's really, really nice. It, it looks nice. It's sort of a, a nice kind of middle ground between kind of a formal band and a casual band. Really comfortable. Um, yeah, overall, it's it's expensive. It's 50 bucks is just too much money. But but I do I do really like it. It's It's got that nice premium, you know, Apple watch band feel. So I asked you this in person uh, like a week ago, but uh, what's the, uh, if you wash your hands with it or if, like, does it stay damp? Because that's one of the big benefits of the fluoroelastomer one. It doesn't. Yeah. It it, um, it seems to uh, repel water pretty well. Good. Yeah. Yeah. It seems, it seems, seems interesting. Wish it wasn't $50. It'd be a much easier impulse buy, but... Yeah. No, I, yeah, I, I, yeah. I understand their scheme. Yeah. All right. You got anything else? Um, well, let, how about you, you, you go and then I'll see if, um, I'll, I'll see if I can come up with another one. Okay. So I think I probably have three. Sorry. This, this, this has been a, well, then I'm, maybe I'm just not even going to compete. <laughs> no, no, I, I think you should. Um, yeah, I was, I was slacking last week, but, uh, back up, back on the game today. So the first one is uh, an app called Rocket for OS X. So this you might have to Google because the name uh, Rocket's a little generic. Um, it's probably hard to find, but it's at matthewpalmer.net forward slash Rocket. Uh, so what this does is, uh, you know how most people applaud uh, the way Slack handles emoji uh, inside their app? It allows you to make that system-wide. Oh, yeah, they talked about this on um, Upgrade, right? I'd found it beforehand, but yes. Yeah, sorry, I don't, I don't know why I feel I have to prove that, but it, it's, it's, it's really, really good. And it's just nice to, because I'd set like some keyboard commands where I, I think I made it like uh, control, command, space to bring up kind of the OS X emoji picker, but it still wasn't very good. And this just, I mean, the way the way Slack does emojis is, is, is just fantastic. It makes it so much easier to type. Um, and this this does a system wide kind of in like a hybrid between Slack and Text Expander. I think it's very very good. It's free, but you can pay four dollars for the premium version, which is kind of an instant buy, and it's it's perfect. Hmm. Okay. Highly recommend. All right. Next up is, uh, and I sent you a screenshot of this. It's the BuzzFeed news app for iOS, and I understand what you're probably thinking, but it's actually good. <laughs> and it's mainly good for its push notifications. Uh, like I sent you an example of one from today. And it it just sends very, very timely, uh, brief, concise, uh, and useful uh, push notifications about news topics that you want. Um, and, and, I, and I think this is important because this, this also is going to be like a hybrid paper cut. In insofar as the New York Times does an absolutely a, a terrible and abhorrent job with push notifications, would you agree? They're too slow. And the New York Times Now app sends push notifications for things that aren't news. Well, so I yeah I don't I don't have those notifications enabled. I only have them from the New York Times app, and yeah, they're just they're too slow. 
so does the New York Times, like, cause this is something I've been trying to figure out is, is this uh, New York Times Now versus the New York Times app? Like the New York Times Now one will send you push alerts of which 75% of them are mainly to uh, talk about like in-depth reporting that they've done, which doesn't really have any immediacy. It's just like something they want you to see. And, and that's been driving me crazy. So like if you do it in the actual New York Times app, does it not do that? Or does it also do that? No, the, the, the standard New York Times app, it, very, very infrequent um, notifications. Like no more than like three or four a day. Hmm. But again, it, it, it's, it's, they're, they're, too, they're too slow. Like I feel like I, I'll find out about a new story, you know, well before I end up getting the notification. Got it. Hmm. But yeah, so that's that's my that's my pick so far. It's pretty good, and there's definitely uh, there's usually some some good emojis in there. All right, and do you have, do you have a second one, or do you want me to just keep going? I'm just I'm just not even going to compete. Okay, that's fine. Uh, earlier this week, you had sent a a, a post from Darth over that uh, was a of a a perfectly looped corgi race. Do you remember this? How how could I forget? Okay. So th- this this brought me back to something that I really really enjoy, uh, which is the the kind of like the perfect uh, GIF loop, and uh, I'm going to cautiously recommend something. I, I know Reddit is generally a cesspool of the internet, but there's a subreddit called Oddly Satisfying, which I'd recommend. Uh, I'll send you a link to it, and this is generally things that uh, on the internet that are uh, like an image or a quick video that are just extremely pleasing. So. See if I can find one. So it's just things, uh, things in life that are uh, pretty much perfect. Whether that's a perfectly looped GIF, or um, yeah, that's my pick. Huh? Well, it's what's a nice little, um, nice little pick me up maybe throughout the day. It is. Yeah, yeah. There, there's ways to use Reddit for for good things, and and this this is definitely one of them. I I feel like I should get more into Reddit. Is that, is that is that is that misguided? If you follow the good ones, like I'll, I'll be I'd be happy to send you a series of subreddits that are actually uh, good. Like uh, the uh, Aww one, A W W, is very good. I like Tales from Tech Support. Uh, Animals being bros is very good. Actually, I'll send that one to you right now. But yeah, uh, yeah, Reddit has a lot of a lot of weird uh, kind of. Sketchy stuff. Oh, sorry. Hold on. There's a golden retriever video. Ooh. There you go. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Like, yeah, it, as long as you stay away from the weird stuff, it's, it's, a, it's, it's pretty, I don't know. It, it's pretty okay. Again, if you curate it properly, it's, it's, it's a, it's a fine website, but otherwise, you know. Wait, this golden retriever's on its own surfboard? Yeah, because it's a, it's a badass. How did how did they even get on that? Oh, wow! <laughs> I like how the dog just like yeah, it's another Wednesday. What's up? Why why is this so difficult for you, dude? The Hunter Pence one's pretty good too. Not not Mike Pence, Hunter Pence. Yeah. Again, uh, yeah. If you don't already uh, go there, maybe a couple times a week, it's 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 good. Yeah, that is that is really good. All right. You got a paper cut or do you want to wrap it up? 
Um, you know, I think I think last last week's paper cut hit so hard that I'm just gonna I'm just gonna let that simmer again for another week. I'm good with that. We'll give the the nation a week to heal. <laughs> we'll, 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 might need more than that. Uh, it might never heal. Who knows? Let's oh. <laughs> let's wait till November. Okay. Hundred pence for VP.